Hi, and welcome to She Is Wise, a podcast dedicated to braver, bolder, bigger conversations for women who want to change the world. I'm Ellie Bell, an empowerment coach passionate about supporting women to show up in the world as their best version of themselves. I'm a former corporate executive with a background working in professional sport and a qualified life coach working with women for the past four years. I've got two gorgeous little girls, which are the reason I'm so determined to change the way women are in the world. I have an incredible husband who encourages, supports and shapes my work in ways that prove that men have to be part of the solution. And I'm Erin Hodson, a psychic medium and spiritual healer who believes that for the world to be a place I'm grateful and proud to leave for my two young sons, change is necessary and that change must be led by women. My work is deeply rooted in ancestors and understanding who we come from and who we can become. I love exploring the spirituality of who we are and the intersection of that with our human experiences. We're two women who grew up on opposite sides of the world, but when we met, instantly recognized each other as kindred spirits, ready to make meaningful change in ourselves, each other, and the world around us. Now is the time for women to be brave, vulnerable, and bold, to explore what is really true for us and how we can make meaningful change in the world. Join us as we dive passionately into conversation about things that really matter, share lighthearted banter with each other, and dare to challenge what we've been told we can do, have, and be as women. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of She Is Wise. You probably noticed this is not Ellie talking, this is Erin. No British accent here, but today we are really excited to be recording an episode with a guest interview, and we have a phenomenal woman with us today. Her name is Barbie Liss. She is the anti-anti-aging coach, and from the moment we first started speaking with her, we knew that there was lots to be said and lots to be heard. So we're really excited to have you here with us, and I would love for you, Barbie, just to introduce yourself, let the world know who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you. And I'm super excited to be here with you. I don't know if I could detect the difference in accent, so you can go back to that. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm Barbie. I am the anti-anti-aging coach, like you said. I work with women to shed shame around aging to redo the messages that we've been handed in society that come with getting older as a woman in our culture and undoing those messages and rewriting reframing and walking us more empowered into what next chapters are going to be amazing and so can you tell that us because we haven't heard the full story um, but also the listeners like how did you get to that point because it's quite a controversial sort of a space to come into the world in I think and I, like I love that you're doing it so how did you get to that point? Yeah, thank you. It has a bit of a backstory. So I'll try to make that part short so we can dive into this part. I guess five years ago, my youngest daughter, who was 21 at the time, she was raped. And besides the obvious journey that we took through that, it took me on a on a path through secondary trauma and healing on my own journey, being the mom of a survivor. And amongst other things, I really started diving into societal conditioning. I felt like everywhere I turned, my head patriarchy was screaming in my face and probably in places that well definitely in places that were always there but I never saw it because it's just what we were handed and we accepted and we dealt with so 
I dove very strongly in societal messaging at that time around sexual assault and, you know, gender divide. And then that took me into looking into generational wound healing. And I dove a lot into that. During all this, I became a life coach and an energy healer. And this was on my own healing journey as well. So looked at generational wound healing and how we've passed through generations, these same perpetuated messages. And it kept rolling. And I guess I turned 60 this past summer. And I guess along my 59th year, I started really noticing the anti-aging message as yet another message we've just handed, been handed and have accepted unquestioningly. And I dove into my own generation and I call us the because I said so era, because that was just the answer we were handed when we questioned. And so we were literally, and that coupled with being the generation who was told that children were seen and not heard, we were literally taught not to question anything, to just accept things because that's the way it was. And, you know, it wasn't worth having the argument or conversation. And now here we are, you know, in, well, myself 60 and becoming really aware of the message out there of anti-aging. And, and what does that actually mean? <laughs> really like anti means against something and aging is really not something we should be against. And you know, it's so I call myself the anti anti aging. I'm against going against aging. And I'm here to shatter the images and the expectation and the invisibility that comes with aging in our culture and to redefine it and to, you know, claim our power and what we deserve to be sitting in, in this circle and noticing the, the impact of the lack of what I refer to as the wise woman archetype in our society. And by my generation falling into that anti-aging message, we have lost that wise woman and because we haven't embodied her. And as a result, my own generation is suffering because we're fighting this impossible possible fight to not age, but our daughters and every woman that walks behind us is also impacted because she's now being led by fear and denial. And already, you know, I have women in their thirties and forties reaching out to me already in a panic because they're getting old and it's all downhill from here. So I'm just taking it all apart unlearning all those messages and walking women as a powerful tribe forward to something much more realistic. And I I have to say, I love that you've just talked about the wise woman archetype because, well, we are awakening the wise woman. She is wise is our podcast. Like wise is such a huge part of everything we do. And it came from conversations that Erin and I had, you know, months back now about it was like, it seems so unfair that we had to wait until we were crones to be wise. Like you had to be really old before you could step into that wisdom. And I was like, I don't want to wait till then. I want to embrace that wise now. That wisdom is within us. And um, actually, if we can embrace it and, and start to live with it, then it does help. And I love that you're helping not just your generation, but also our generation that, that this mm. needs to happen. It's got to be changed. So I love the fact that you talk about the wise woman archetype. Yes, thank you. And I love that you pointed out that why should you wait to embrace it? And I think that what happens in society is like, you know, when you're younger, you can't wait to get older right? Like that's the goal is to get older. And then there's like, I think a moment where it's like, yeah, I'm here. And then it's downhill, right? So like by the time you say that you get to claim your wise woman years, you're shoved aside and your wise woman years are no longer heard, right? So like I'm changing that image of that mountain, you know, that you're climbing and then it's all downhill. And I'm saying like, there's a mountain that you're climbing to this gorgeous platform where there's this paradise of life that you can create. It's definitely not downhill. So when you say you want to claim your wise woman years. Yes, claim your wisdom now, but it's not disappearing. That's a myth. We're going to change that one. I love that. Love that so much. 
Yeah, I think what comes up for me there is that, you know, if you're looking specifically at, at archetypes, is kind of that concept that, you know, we start with the maiden and then we go into the mother and then we go into the crone. Like that's the triplicity, I think they call it. And, you know, very often we're told like we as women in our 30s and 40s and even, you know, into our 50s, we are supposed to be outward facing. We are supposed to serve. We are supposed to be in that nurturing our children and growing them into good humans and all of that good stuff. And it's wrong to put ourselves first and it's wrong to step into our own power and our own wisdom. And then you get to an age where, you know, that stage is over and you're starting to go through that menopausal state and you're in that space of turning inward a little bit more and, you know, the empty nest thing of, you know, I don't have to do that anymore. So now what do I do with my life? But you're right, society for so many generations has shut those women down and said they don't matter anymore. They don't actually have a point in society. And we really need to embrace that in our 30s and 40s and say, actually, we're going to bring her in and she's just going to get more powerful and more loud and more unapologetic because she doesn't need to be shut down. That's just what we've been told has to happen. And actually we need to bring her out earlier so that her voice is stronger by the time society tries to shut her down, I think. Is that kind of in line with yes, what you Yes, I love so many things that you just touched on. Like I think that the what you're referring to is the triple goddess, the maiden, mother, and crone. And I think that we have all three of those archetypes within us all the time. I can still call on my maiden. I can still call on my mother. I can still be the silly, goofy, childish, whatever. And I can sit in my seat as like wise woman elder all at the same time, right? I think that it's my generation who has to shatter that image of, there's an image actually that you get when you hear the word crone. And I know my mom used to say like, oh, the old crone. And instantly you get this image of like the hunched back woman with the frizzy gray hair and the wart on her nose. And like, I mean, she's my age. (laughs) I mean, I guess your audience can't see me, but I don't think that's me. Right. And I think that what we need to do is take down that expectation. And I think my generation needs to change the message so that all the women behind us can see a different example. We need to lead by that embodied example and offer a less frightening vision forward. You know, when I decided to let my hair go gray and I said to my friends, I'm going to do this. And they're like, oh, don't do it. And I said, well, why not? And they said, well, because you're going to look old. And I said to them, well, first off, like I'm 60. So (laughs) I don't know if that counts as old, but like I'm 60. So, and what's wrong with that? Like what's wrong with looking 60. Instead of fighting the wrinkles and fighting the gray, what's wrong with looking my age? Let's redefine beauty because beauty in our society has this also unattainable image that maybe three people have. And the rest of us are like gorgeous women that are gorgeous because we radiate that beauty and confidence out of our pores instead of what society defines as beauty. So I would say let's redefine beauty for that crone archetype type. Let's show the world what she really looks like, what she really embodies. It's not over. She doesn't need to be cast aside. She's not useless in our culture anymore. In fact, she carries years of experience and wisdom. Like I would say, I don't know what's yet to come for me, but I would say yeah, there's very little I haven't experienced <laughs> good, bad, and all between, right? So when younger women come to me and say, you know, I'm a new mom and I don't know, I had this recently. And she said like, I don't, maybe I'm doing this wrong. And like, she was worried and I'm, I can easily offer her my experience and wisdom. And on any, it could be about a work scenario. It could be about a, a divorce. It could be about anything that's in your life. I've walked that path and I should be sitting in that seat 
seed of offering my guidance and wisdom from a calming, loving space so that the women behind me feel that instead of the fear of getting older. Yeah. And I loved what you said earlier, you know, that we've been taught that we do what we're told and that we don't question anything. And, you know, one of the beliefs I firmly have is that women are what the world needs to change, like where it is at the moment. It cannot stay like this for our future. For our, It terrifies me that my children will have to go through anything close to what I did. Whereas at the time, I wouldn't necessarily have questioned any of it. But now looking back with, you know, my eyes open, I can see that, you know, I was told to stay small. I was told to be quiet, to sit down, to don't make a fuss, to don't be too loud, don't be too big, don't show off, don't put yourself out there, all of these things. And that very much came, like you said, from, you know, a mother who was very much taught that that's exactly what it should be. And from a grandmother who had been taught exactly the same. So I think changing the narrative is really important. But I also know as a mother, I mean, I have two young daughters, I have a two and a half year old, and I have a nearly five year old, and I'm in my 40s. So I came to it all much later than I never thought I was going to have children really, but came to it much later. So I'm sort of kind of balancing a lot of that sort of aging whilst having young children and also like unpicking and unpacking all of those things that I was taught as a child and not handing them on to my children. So I have to be really careful with everything. And I messaged Erin just last night going, geez, it's hard not to fuck your kids up because I honestly (laughs) felt like I was just, you know, doing everything wrong and being able to kind of use that compassion and use that loving energy and that wisdom and having people like you offering their support and offering their wisdom to us is so important to be able to make these changes and to have that awareness that you have been the generation that have just done what you've been told and that's what you've lived to be able to now question that and challenge it is so inspiring for me because I know that I need to do it but actually now I can see people ahead of me doing it I don't have to be the first and that's really cool quite often you don't see a lot of that so we need need more of you need more of you out there Does yes that thank it's, you and I think really that I, honestly my generation is sort of a tough sell it's like I really thought that's who I'd be working with all the time and it's often the younger women that are craving that they aren't seeing it what you talk about I call them the shoulds we've been handed this whole list of shoulds and then somehow when you get hit like 55 60 it flips to a list of shouldn'ts which is like I don't know <laughs> right But I think the one that got me thinking was, I'm going to go back to my earlier journey, that first year post-rape, and I was starting to notice all these little comments, you know, and the one that really stuck in my head was boys will be boys. And that's a comment, like, I mean, I think every one of us has has either used or heard, right? When my kids were little, we all were like, oh, boys will be boys, and we laughed it off, and like the boys were just, it was like the excuse because they had a penis that they could get away with anything that's just who they are. And here I am like a recent and new mom of a survivor thinking, what the fuck is that? Right? Like, why is that even a thing? And that was the saying that got me really feeling into so many lines or messages, like the underlying message that we never felt into, but left an impact, you know, and even things like children should be seen and not heard. So at the moment, it kept us quiet. But deep down internally, I'm absorbing this message that I'm my voice doesn't matter. Right. And I grew up with that. So what I'm doing is like picking apart those shoulds and like 
all those messages that we just absorbed with a deeper impact. The anti-aging message has a way deeper impact than just our skin, right? Like, yes, you know, get rid of the wrinkle, but it's also telling me that I'm not really good enough if I have wrinkles and gray hair, that I'm no longer valuable in the society and I've failed at something. And, you know, it's a deeper message than just my skin and hair, right? So undoing all that to your comment of like hard not to fuck up your kids. I think, I mean, yes, generational wounding is a thing. And what we want to do is we want to be the ones who break the chain, right? So, you know, wounded women raise wounded women raise wounded. It's that same message, but someone's going to break the chain. And that's what you're doing right now. You're breaking that chain on the same level. Don't be so hard on yourself because by the time your kids grow up, it all changes again. And everything that you're doing super right right now are the things that your kids are going to go, hell mom, right? Because my kids do. And I thought I was doing the best job, right? So we all fuck up our kids on some level. It's how the conversation goes about that, right? And how you like, we've talked about it endlessly, my kids and I like, you know, if I, if I said this, I'm sorry, like at the time, it was what we did. And now I can see that comments like boys will be boys were like bullshit, right? Like, let's redo it. So don't be so hard on yourself. You're doing your best. And I'm sure you're doing great because you're aware of all this. But yes, I think on a societal level, we need to do way better and be way more conscious of the messages we're giving our little girls and our little boys who are being told, you know, don't cry and be a guy and men don't, you know, like these are all damaging as well, right? Boys are equally as damaged by patriarchal messages. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with that patriot. Like the only people who benefit from patriarchy is the white man sat at the top of the mountain. Like nobody yeah. else benefits from it. It's exactly. such bullshit. You know, yeah. men think that it's, and you have these conversations and the excuses that are made for behavior is just appalling and yet for certainly and it's our know, job to make sure it doesn't happen right the boys yeah. get an excuse because they're boys and it's the girls job too so i don't know about when you when my kids were younger in school they had like a two-finger policy on the straps of their shirt do you have that like you couldn't wear a spaghetti strap to school because it was distracting for the boys so first of all they're like eight so I don't really think they're distracted, but also why is it the girl's job to dress a certain way so that the boy, like, let's put the onus on him. He needs to be responsible for his behavior. I shouldn't have to dress a certain way so that he's not tempted. That's on him, right? Yeah, I, That's a uh, different message to teach our boys. And they're taught things like, you know, boys hear things like you're not supposed to cry. And like, I love the one, like, don't be a pussy that just ruins everybody. So for the little boy being told, don't be a pussy, he doesn't, that means like, don't act like a girl, which, you know, God forbid you act like a girl, but what is that telling the girls? It's telling the girls, like, it's not a very good thing to be a girl, right? Like no one wins on that one, right? Like yeah, so I, many messages that need to be taken down. And all of those led me to the standing in the drugstore one day, looking above me and seeing the sign in the aisle saying anti-aging aisle. And I thought I'm literally standing in an aisle that's teaching me everything to do to not age. And then I'm wondering, like, do the men have an anti-aging aisle? <laughs> I don't think the men do, but we're not supposed to age. So we have this goal of getting older because we want to live a long life, but don't age. Well, and it's so funny, isn't it? Because aging, like, that's, it's a bit like the weather. There's absolutely bugger all you can do about it. <laughs> like, right? It's not like it's you like, can stop it. <laughs> I call it a self-induced prejudice, really, because <laughs> yeah. every other prejudice takes like an ism, like a religion, like racism or sexism, or like takes an ism and it groups a, peop a group of people and it others them, right? Ageism, but literally every one of us on this planet 
is aging. I've been doing it for 60 years. Like we started aging the minute we were born, right? So to have anything that's ageism, it's a self-induced prejudice and there's nothing we can do and it should be celebrated. It's a gift. Yeah. I'm really interested in it. What's come up for me this entire conversation is how different my experience of aging and I guess the older woman, wise woman thing, like my experience of that is so different. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, that could very well be because, you know, as a woman attracted to other women, I've always had a thing for older women. (laughs) It's a thing. I can't help it. But I mean, as a child, like I was always attracted to spending time with much, much older women. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmothers. I spent a lot of time with my aunts. And then as I got older, that continued until they were no longer there for me. And then I started to be, you know, as a 20 to 25 year old, my friends were in their 40s. And even now, you know, I'm not quite 40. My wife is nearly 45. And um, a lot of my friends are well into their 40s. Some of them are in their 50s, you know, and I look at the women that have been role modeled or that I have looked to for modeling of behavior. And it's women like Meryl Streep or Susan Sarandon or like Helen Mirren, Judy Dench, like women who are, you know, I mean, those are obviously the famous women. There are others that are, are less famous, but what has always appealed to them about me, I think, is that they are unapologetic in their authenticity. They are just them. They speak their mind. They're unafraid of the consequences. And I recognize that there is a lot of privilege that they have around that because, you know, the women I just mentioned, all of them are highly successful, beautiful white women in an industry that, you know, when they started very young and they were attractive and they were able to leverage that to get the roles that now they're being celebrated for their artistry. But I wonder about your journey with that and Ellie's as well, because for me, I've always looked to older women and thought, gosh, I can't, I want to be like them. But it seems like maybe you both came to it quite a bit later in your journey as to that appeal of the older woman and the appeal of that presence that they have and the power that they have. And like, I mean, for me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I'm now nearly 40. Therefore, I can bring that in now, but I I sense that maybe that wasn't the same journey for you. I love, love, love that that's been your journey. I think that those women that you referred to are, yes, absolutely role models. And I really admire people who are privileged to use that privilege for the better of everybody, right? For the betterment of everybody, rather than just abusing their privilege, they're using their privilege to be that embodied example for myself, like the people that I've been surrounded by. And those women that you speak of are are a minority in that, even in that privileged community, like in Hollywood, it's hard to get a role after 40 right? There's not a lot of representation for older women anywhere, even in the media, like the the face cream, anti-aging creams. There's like this gorgeous 25 year old, perfect skinned. I'm not going to look like that. It doesn't matter how much cream I put on my face. Right. And and I shouldn't want to, that should be the thing, but I love that that's been your journey. I think I would ask you if like all the women that you hang with, your partner included, or your wife, you're married, um, your wife and, and the circle that you hang in, do they all embrace their age as well? Or are many of them? Um, um, no, they, they don't all embrace their age. Um, I think some of them embrace the physical aging a lot more than others. I think all of them, though, embrace, I guess, that more spiritual aging, the, the coming into that wisdom, that coming into that power and that sense of purpose. Mm. Um, but 
but certainly the physical aging is one thing that in our household and included you know I've had gray hair since I was a, a child it's always been a thing for me and as a teenager I was gray and you know I used to get teased for it so you know I'd have to go and color my hair with my mum who was also coloring her hair now I'm like actually I could go gray quite happily but my wife is not keen <laughs> she's like I don't want you to look old you're not old and it's funny like that's what I would question too because I say that like I've said I've had every color in my hair I've had that fire engine red highlight thing going on a few years like years back I've had purple I've had blonde I've had like no one had a comment why gray like it's a color yeah and I'm gonna try it too right and then I, I ask people now because when I sit in my own circle of friends I'm like the weird one like who has not injected anything in my face and I've not and I'm deciding to let my hair go and I think it's like you know they love me but like they think I'm you know I'm like the foodie all right yeah the weird right I'm the weird one but so now I just ask them like my question is why not like you don't want to go gray why not because you're going to look old what's wrong with looking older well you don't want to do it but what's wrong with it like there's not actually an answer someone can give, right? You've just been told not to do it. Yeah. So don't do it. You don't get the wrinkle and don't let it go gray. And like, you know, I, yes, I use skin products and many of them are called anti-aging and that's purely because that's all there is out there and that's what they're called. But I am seeking products that nurture my aging skin because it is aging and I want to take care of it. And there's not enough moisturizer on the planet for my skin anymore. Like I am seeking a great product to nourish my skin because it is aging. So why can't that be a celebration rather than a denial? Like it's coming from a place. And this is what I'll ask people, like, what's your why? You know, if you want to color your hair, color your hair, but what's your why? Is it coming from a place of love or a place of lack, right? Is it because you love that color hair and you want to express it? Or is it because you are afraid you're going to look old in society? told you not to do it like what's your why yeah you know yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, and I think for me, when I think back of the women that I really respected growing up, a lot of them, thinking back to it, were the ones who were just unapologetically themselves. And there weren't very many of them. But, mm. you know, and my mum, to a certain extent, is a little bit like that. She doesn't really care too much about what other people think, but she's had to fight against every bit of, like, what she was conditioned to do. And she does it, but she kind of doesn't go all in. There's still a little bit of her holding back because she's not completely sure of what might happen happen if she completely you know lets it all go but I think you're right with that whole um what I don't like is the fact that women get pitted against other women and that was the thing that I didn't like when I was growing up when I was you know like the first jobs that I had and everything like that the women took on such masculine energies and such masculine roles in in order to be successful you had to be aggressive you had to be bossy you had to be all of these masculine traits then when you did them you were told that you were aggressive and bossy and all of those things that then wasn't seen as a good thing so it, it was like we were kind of told that you had to be one thing but if you were too much of that one thing well that wasn't good but like all of the messages that we were given and you know I love that you talked about the boys will be boys thing and, and this is something that you know that the hashtag not all men when you know there was the me too movement and, and still going on that hashtag for me it was the biggest two fingers up to women I've ever seen because it's not all men but it is some and actually what we have to 
to get men to realize is they have to be the solution to the problem because women have been trying to do this on their own for generations. Like we have been trying to fight sexual assault. We have been trying to stop them beating us. We have been trying to keep ourselves safe. And yet it still happens. The only thing that causes rape is the man raping. It's not what the woman has worn. It's not her, it's nothing. And yet that is still not dealt with. It is men standing there saying, well, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. No, but when your mate tapped a girl on the ass, you didn't call him out on it. When somebody made a misogynistic joke, you know, in the classroom or in the bar or in the office, you didn't say that's not okay. And that's what's got to change. And you can tell it fires me up because that can't happen. But when are men going to realize that it's not okay to, you know, just be a man and boys will be boys. It's just bollocks. We've got to change it. Yeah, absolutely. And don't be sorry because it fires me up too, honestly. And I think that the answer in that is still like unlearning societal conditioning because on behalf of the men, that's what they were given. They don't know. Like we're trying, I also like my, I speak a lot for restorative justice and, and, you know, sexual assault. And what I will say is like, I want to bring awareness to the men as well. I'm not, you know, when I was younger, like the idea of being a feminist, there was like the angry woman who was like storming the streets and burning her bra. And I'm, I'm not angry. I'm coming from a place of love. And I'm saying to everybody, things have to change because it's not working the way it's working. In all fairness to the men, they've been like little boys raised with that excuse of having a penis they've been raised with like man up and this is what men are supposed to do and if you're not then you're a pussy and like they've been taught this behavior and it's a group effort here right like so in my mind like I work with women right now and there's a lot of healing to be done for women and I know that there are guys out there that are doing this work for men in some places and I think we all need to heal in our own circles and then we need to come together and we need to heal this because the messaging that like these patriarchal messages that we've all been handed men and women have damaged all of us to such a point that this is where we're at and it's a mess and we need to fix it it's um, that's a whole nother podcast I think yes (laughs) yeah it is I could go off on that one too yeah I do advocate very much for that but all of those messages like and as I did all of that work, it led me to this path of the anti-aging thing. And, you know, it's all undoing the the messages we've been handed and offered a a better perspective of what's actually true and authentic and real and and beautiful. And, you know, like it's a gorgeous gift to get older. It's a privilege to be able to offer that wisdom forward. It's there's beauty, I think, in an aging face. There's like, I say that our daughters and our, the women like behind us are like entering into a phase now that I can sit back and witness from a place of like what they're walking into, I now wear on my face and there's beauty in that. And it's for me to offer forward now and witness them doing what they're doing and sitting in in my seat in the circle and being here for them from that place of wise woman elder. And that's not to say I can't still be, you know, call on my inner child and I can be as ridiculous as the next person that I celebrate doing that. Right. But I can also claim my seat. And those three archetypes that maiden mother and crone are, are all in all of us all the time and let's just take the shame away from the whole aging thing i don't know why it's been shame well i know why there's a 58 billion dollar industry riding on us feeling like shit about getting older but other than that there should be 
no reason to shame anybody into it about aging. It's a gift. Well, we could talk about that all day, I think. Um, and um, but I am very conscious of time. I just one thing that has come up for me is that that concept of restorative anything, whether it's justice, whether it's like to me, the work that you do holistically is restorative. And yeah. and I think we all need to be conscious of that. It's about restoring a sense of balance and restoring that feminine wisdom to the place that it belongs to have at the table like it it deserves to be there and it's such worthy work that you're doing and so necessary so thank you for coming in and talking to us about it and I suspect that we will invite you back at some point because I just know that there's more patriarchal societal conditioning stuff that Ellie would love to dive into with you Um, there I love it her soapbox (laughs) has very firmly stayed under her desk today but it will come out I'm sure but are there any last thoughts that you want to share with our audience around what we've talked about today yeah thank you and yes I would love to hop on any conversation about this because it's also I get very fired up and passionate about it too so I would say just start noticing start becoming aware of some of the things that you've always just taken for granted and if your answer to something is just well that's just the way it is then ask yourself, is it though? (laughs) Does it need to be? Is there a better option? You know, is this like, just start noticing things that you hadn't really given time to notice before, because, you know, it wasn't a thing, but I'm just, I'm inviting you to notice and become aware of and celebrate you like for who you are without the shoulds of what society told you you should be just fully be you proud and loud and proud. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Ellie, have you got any uh, final thoughts? No, I just, I totally agree. Question everything. That's, that's my motto. Question everything. If, and, and if you does. don't. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Quite loudly. <laughs> but it is yeah. like, if we don't, then we will, we'll just carry on believing what we've always believed. And there's other ways of doing things. And, and it's exciting to be living at a time where these conversations are happening out in the open, you know, that they're, they're actually happening. So let's keep that going. And if anyone um, would like to connect with Barbie, all of the details will be in the show notes. And we really recommend doing it because she's got so much wisdom and is so yeah. happy to share it. So thank you so much for your time today. It's oh, been she is wise. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> she certainly I, I is. I love the conversation and I'm super grateful for you making space for me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've been listening to She Is Wise with Ellie Bell and Erin Hodson. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please remember to subscribe so you can join us next time. And if you haven't already, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this podcast with your friends. Thanks so much for joining us and we will catch you on the next episode.